0: 2023 is off to a somewhat incredible start for the crypto market, for Bitcoin, and for all markets in general, which I think has taken a lot of people by surprise. Of course, we got a favorable inflation print today, and markets have continued to rise. But what should we be looking for for the rest of 2023, ignoring 10 days, which obviously is somewhat irrelevant, and is even looking just at 2023 noise and not signal when you actually zoom out? and consider the power of the crypto asset class. I'm going to discuss this with three of my favorite people today. We have legendary investor, storyteller, and probably the king of the one-liner, Mark Yusko, here today. Bill Barheit, hopefully the first Bitcoin banker on the planet, if all goes well. And, of course, my favorite unicorn whisperer, the guy who tried to buy YouTube and Facebook first, Lou Kerner. You guys do not want to miss this. It's going to be epic. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and hit the like button. Now, today, as I mentioned, we have an absolutely epic panel. We probably should have called it boomers talking about Bitcoin or the four oldest guys in the entire crypto space that we can get together to talk about this cool new asset class. All four of us are like the uh, Steve Buscemi meme, hey, fellow kids, you know, rolling in with the uh, skateboards. But I find that talking to people who actually understand, I don't know, markets and investing tends to generally be a very, very impactful exercise. And we're going to do that today. All three of these guys are legendary investors, uh, legends in the crypto space, and probably have their own unique perspectives on what to look for this year. And beyond, I'm going to go ahead and bring them all on right now. I've got Mark Yusko, Bill Barheight, and Lou Kerner. What is up, fellas? Happy New Year, Scotty. Hey, Scott. Happy New Year to all of you, Bill. How's the uh, becoming a bank thing going?
1: Uh, I have no gray hair. Neither <laughs> <laughs> do I. I, I wear the, the the gray Abra shirt to kind of you know hide the the effects of of becoming a bank on on the head, but uh, you know, I'm still alive. Never gotten so many compliments in my life for not being dead. You uh, <laughs> changed my name to, to Harry Potter, the boy that lives. Um, but uh, I, we live to fight another day, and um, our clients are happy, and so I'm happy, and, you know, here we all are trying to but do it again. But obviously,
0: right, you, you, you're you progressing towards becoming a legitimate bank, getting licensed. How much has 2022, we'll just call that, yeah the. the 2022 the contagion how much has that impacted your efforts
1: well it's vindicated it i think um you know we started this effort uh long before the the, uh, let's go back to terra luna three arrows which probably started the contagion um we had already started the process we've been negotiating with regulators for quite a while uh when when the last straw kind of ftx and genesis happened our lawyers had a discussion with the regulators and it basically went along the lines of hey this puts you guys in a great position nothing changes um, you know, it's, we, you're committed to transparency. That's what the rules require, and and uh, you know, hopefully this will help all of us. And and so, um, if anything, it, it, it unfortunately vindicates uh, what we've been saying all along. Um, I think not only on on your show, but others where I've gone and said, "Hey, look, a lot of these other companies with poor risk management are going to die, and here's why." Now, I didn't think it was going to happen in 90 days, the whole the whole thing, <laughs> but um, I, I did think it was going to happen. And and, uh, here we are. So I think for Abra, it's it's, it's basically what we've been saying all along. If you are a trusted third party in a space that is decentralized and was based on the idea of no trusted third parties, you have to basically be fully committed to transparency. DeFi is the easiest way to do that. But as somebody who's providing access to DeFi, we're going to leverage regulators and eventually public markets to just be over the top about both.
0: You mentioned that FTX and Genesis were the last straws. Mark, do you think that those are actually the last straws? <laughs> or do you think that uh, we've got more hits to come?
2: No, look, I, I, I do, In although I wouldn't use straw. i probably use, you know, they're, they're the last, last honey pots that turned out to to, to be honey-less. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, Genesis, and actually that's not fair. Genesis is a very different situation than, than FTX. I mean, Genesis... Is a victim. Um, now, did they make some mistakes? Did they have you know risk management errors, for sure? Um, and and I'm not even going to speculate or cast aspersions about you know were they or people involved with you know complicit with with the bad actors. I mean, we know that FTX uh, and Alameda bad now. I will argue, and again, I don't want to go too deep into this. Uh, I will argue it ain't the people you think it is who are bad. It's people way, way, way up <laughs> higher than the the useful idiots of, of Caroline and, and uh, Sam. Um, they are the masterminds of nothing, full stop. Just no way, no chance. So, uh, yeah, I that's a long-winded way of saying, Scott, that I, I think the FTX – debacle is far from over you know we we, we we snipped off one head of the Hydra the other six heads are gonna go party in two weeks at, at Davos and plan the next attack so you know we, we got more problems coming there Genesis is, is just a you know it's just a banking problem right they were victims of of uh, theft right one of their. <laughs> counterparties stole money and you going to pay him back. Now it gets really messy. And, and again, I don't know, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Su or Zhu Su. Um, but, and, and no one really cares. I mean, everyone cares about him because of, of three arrows, but you know, he's the one saying that, that there was fraudulent conveyance of $2.6 billion from Alameda to Genesis slash DCG. I can't confirm or deny, but if that did occur, that's going to get recalled and that's going to cause huge stress at, at the Genesis DCG level. So.
0: Lou, he mentioned uh, everybody's going to Davos to figure out the next big move. You're going to Davos tomorrow. Are you not?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for that, Mark. Uh, and, And by the way, yeah, I'd like to start also by congratulating Bill on surviving because the job. Yeah, it turns out not so easy. And I always say that's really 50% of any entrepreneur's job is just surviving, right? Because yeah. eventually, right, it, it'll be the right time if you can survive. Um, you know, I, I am going to Davos. Uh, you know, I'd like there's something actually quite fun about being at the center of the universe. Uh, and I think for those few days, certainly of the business and government world, that's the center of the universe. I'm doing Crypto Mondays Davos there. They give me some free space. And uh, there's certainly lots of uh, interesting people there. Uh, the vast majority of who don't go into the official WEF event.
1: Mark, Very mentioned,
3: so so yeah.
2: I guess we need to give, we need to send Lou overnight uh, a giant sword so he can <laughs> attack the Hydra and, and lop off a couple more heads.
0: If anybody could do it, he's our guy. But Mark, you, you, we've spoken quite a few times in the last six or seven months, you sort of made the argument and this was, pre-FTX that crypto is in a spring, not a winter. People kind of talk about this ice age. I think that without FTX, we'd be trading much higher. We would, and you would be proven. But interestingly, as we sit here talking today, price is back to where it was before FTX for Bitcoin. Right. We're back. Spring doesn't
3: mean
2: straight up, right? Spring, as I described it, is, is not... Your favorite season, right? It's muddy and wet, and you got if you're in California, you got landslides. Than and, winter, <laughs> you know it. It and it's, but it's better than winter. And but what it means is is this choppy kind of up and down, no movement until you get to summer. Summer is where the fun happens, and that's the anticipation leading up to the having. And and I still think we're on on track for that. And look, I I didn't see. Hurricane Sam. Look, I never met the guy. I never met her. I I just no idea that that it was going to be a fraud of of this proportion. So, yeah, that's I always describe that as you know. I live in North Carolina and about once every decade we get a big nor'easter in late February, early March. It sits off the coast and it dumps a foot of snow in North Carolina and we're paralyzed for a week because we don't know how to deal with it. So that's what happened, right? We had nor'easter Sam or hurricane Sam or whatever you want to call it since he's from the Bahamas. Um, And that put a dent in, in the recovery. But if, if you actually step back and look at the breadth and depth of the fraud and the relatively muted impact, right? There were some, you know, distressing days when we were touching 15 and people were calling for 10. And, um, but we're at 18, we were at 18 before the news. And I, I still think, I still think we're, we're in spring and, and summer's coming and there'll be another wave of speculative frenzy. Actually, you're, you're already seeing the speculative nonsense back in the traditional markets. I mean, freaking Best Buy up 100% in the last three days. I mean, not Best Buy. I'm sorry, Bed Bath & Beyond. Not Best Buy. Beyond. Best Beyond. Buy is a good company. Bed Bath & Beyond. Bed Bath & Beyond is going bankrupt. The equity is going to be well, look, Mark,
3: I, I, I have a word that I use to describe the tendency of markets to, to swing between bubble and crash and bubble again. I call that capitalism. That, that's just <laughs> what it does. And, and it, it's like the sun going up and down. And it's and it's nighttime, and and the crazy thing though is is people like during nighttime during winter go, oh my god, the sun's never coming back up again, um, and you know sometimes the sun doesn't, but you know most of the time the sun comes back up again, and right. yeah, you know, it looks like yeah. I mean, I think in the long term the whole FTX thing will be a, a very modest blip. Um, you know, I, I think the industry survived Mt. Gox, right. right, and I think Mt. Gox will, you know, nothing will touch mount gox and we survived that yeah
1: but the psycho babble elephant in the room is clearly the fed right still and nothing's changed um you know we've looked at like historical guidance versus historical reality and the reality is they may as well not speak there's genuine there's genuinely no value to anything they say uh and and we would all be better off to lose point if we let the capitalist pig bond markets drive us forward because they've historically been right. And the Fed has historically, the people have historically been wrong. Right. So whenever they say, oh, rates are going to be here for X time frame, they are wrong 100 percent of the time. So it begs the question, are they making it up? Is it like Trump said, you know, you, you can't have mass hysteria. Right, because people can't handle the truth, or I forget how he said it, but you know, I'm sure he didn't say it that eloquently. Uh, And 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 you know, now we have the Fed saying, "Oh, it's going to take X years to get to two percent." That's bullshit. We're at disinflation. If if you factor out housing, we're at zero now. Okay, Uh, and it's getting worse, and we're going to be in a disinflationary environment, which means they're going to be cutting rates, and quantitative easing is going to win. And and I, I would assume that at some point uh you know the the unemployment is going to go to shit but i don't know how long that's going to take but that really shouldn't be the, the primary driver i mean if you know if we're in a in a recession and ism basically goes where it looks like it's going to go everything that they're telling us is just pure pure unadulterated bullshit
0: i have to laugh every single day obviously i write a newsletter in the morning so i check bloomberg market wrap and the headlines are just hilarious to your point it's like market's slightly up on fears of inflation this, and then the next day, market's panicking because of inflation, and it's schizophrenia, and none of it matters. Uh, why does it matter on a day-to-day basis what the status of inflation might be or what the Fed might say or what they no, might no, do? No, no, it, it really feels it's not, like it's crazy.
2: But, but, but that's that the problem is we're all still tethered to, <laughs> I guess I shouldn't use that word, um, it's kind of like you're not allowed to use the word Trump, right? This trumps that. You can't say that anymore. No. So you can't say tethered um, to, to these things that we used to believe were markets, right? The S&P 500, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, NASDAQ, they're not useful because they're not controlled by humans. They're controlled by machines, and those machines are working against the humans, right? One of my favorite charts, if you go over the last, I think it's five years now, coming up on five years, the entire game, 100% of the game occurs after hours. There's no chance for an average investor during the trading day to make money because it's a gap up or gap down from the previous night's close to the open. Well, who trades on that? The bad people, the machines. Okay, this is, it's, it's like the CPI print. Every time there's a CPI print, there's a big trader. There's even a whole thread on it, right? There's a big trader who trades in advance, 20 minutes in advance, 30 minutes in advance. Who is that? Okay, dark pools, whatever. People go to WEF, is it Lou? I don't know, maybe it's Lou. Nancy um, yeah, Pelosi,
1: totally but continue. Oh,
0: see, <laughs> see?
1: <laughs> but if you're staring at a screen all day, Doing the right thing, which is nothing, uh, is extremely difficult, yeah. right? So so going back to historical data, who are the best performing traders historically over the last Mark? 50 years? <laughs> no, people. it's the and dead, 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 dead people. Dead people and abandoned Why? Why are dead people the best yeah. traders? Because dead they're people. not staring at the screen looking at the Fed's stupid decisions or non-decisions or ridiculous commentary and making more stupid decisions for themselves on top. They're doing what they should have been doing all along, which is nothing because it did. And and so if if we were to take a little bit of the the learning there, and not not to be dead, but to actually just walk away from the trading screen and do nothing, I have no problem with 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 day trading and market timing It's your money, you do what you want with it. I, I I get what your audience does as well, and, I, and I've traded. It's fine. I've option traded. I I, I think it's it, it, you can make money there. But my point is is if you're long term investing, single most important thing you can do is 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 let the effect of compounding work over time. And the easiest way to do that is not to be there. Uh, and and
2: that's... The, and well, Bill, you're what, talking about investing, though, right? And, and look, there there are four different ways to participate in the market. And I'll argue three of them are are fine.
3: But One let's just bad. Let's get, get back though to what he's talking about, though, investing, just for a moment, because I think it's important to recognize that the most important, you know, by, by a wide margin, the biggest... Uh, financial trend of our lifetime has been indexing right and bill you don't even have to pay me a commission <laughs> um you know because as bill said you know people we we don't do this well um and you know so that's yeah you know, so if you're going to invest the best way to invest for most people uh, uh is you know unless you're stevie cohen is indexing yeah. Well, but again, Mark, Stevie's what you an for? investor. Yeah. Stevie's
2: a trader, and and yes. he's he's unabashed about being a trader. Now he's an investor in other things. He's an investor in art. He's an investor in real estate. He's investor. But investors buy things that they think are undervalued relative to fair value, and they hold them for a very long period of time. That that's what an investor does, and they dollar cost average over time, and that that's how they do it. Traders, and there's nothing wrong with being a trader, but traders, it's a, it's it's work. It's a job. There are actually very few really good traders. I mean, there just aren't that many. It's really hard, but but it's not it's not negative. And but traders don't care about valuation. They don't care. They just need movement and they need activity. And the problem is you're competing against Ken Griffin and his machines. That is tough. Right? Don't you need some kind of edge? Well, you you can have an edge, edge some people have an analytical edge right they have better algorithm or better model some people have an information edge right they get information before other people some people have a processing edge you know ken's got that in space Mm -hmm. because he has you know the biggest computers but but edge is hard to get but then but then and then Mm -hmm. you have the third participants which are hedgers and speculators hedgers are people that must sell because they have to get rid of something like oil producers must sell their oil so they sell it in the futures market and speculators take the other side and we think of speculators as different people like people are you know gambling but the gamblers are the bad ones the gamblers are the people who fancy themselves traders but then they use leverage and they play in markets they don't understand where they have no edge to lose point point. and those gamblers are all the robin <clears> hoodies for whatever I may i just make up that term that took the stimmy check and thought they were going to, you know, beat the market. And look on occasion, it works, right? You can become an ape and, and Adam can make your, your, your stock go up or GameStop can come back from the dead. But at the end, it's like going to Vegas. If you win the first hand, walk away, just walk away.
0: But if you stay at the table, we tried that Mark. I know, yeah, and we, we proved did. that theory and, in real time. If we had
2: just walked away. If we had walked away. <laughs> you would have won a bunch of money, but we all made our donation to the house. Now there was entertainment value, and I, I yeah. like the entertainment. I like being with you. I like hanging out, uh, and I will contribute a few hundred dollars to to the Vegas, you know, uh, mof- mafia bosses. But um, the house is against you, and that's the same way in, in trading, by and large. And if you trade with leverage, you're done. You're done.
0: Citadel did 38% last year in a pretty historic bear market. Clearly, they have some sort of edge. You're talking about what do they have, 60 billion, 70 billion AUM? My friend is a, is an analyst at Citadel, newly, and Ken Griffin rented out all of the Disney parks and took everyone there because they had a banner year and their families. That's the kind of money that uh, Citadel is you know, that's making the greatest right now. Year but, ever.
2: And, I mean, yeah. and, and what's crazy is they've had bigger percentage years i mean there was a year in the 90s we made you know 48 this is a funny story so we had money with him when i was at notre dame we we didn't invest when he was in his dorm room but but pretty close afterwards and i've known ken for for forever and the the we were up 48 but the way their fee structure works is they pass <clears throat> through all of their expenses like salaries bonuses rent everything. And our fee that year was 8%. So our net was 40. Okay. And go to the board meeting. And I have this one board member. is like, that's egregious. You need to fire them immediately. I'm like, well, why? He says, well, we could have bought an index fund for 10 basis points. Like, right. And we would have made 23.9 because the market was up 24. Instead, we made 40. Isn't 40 better than 23.9? He's like, no, no, it's not. Not if you have to pay eight <laughs> percent. Like, no, it is forty is better than twenty three point nine. Just is.
3: You know, to get back, you know, to to to, to the edge thing because I, I think it's important. I I was actually a Wall Street analyst for a, a while before I really had an appreciation of edge, and and what taught me edge was uh, uh, I got to uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, uh, and
0: my first day as a
3: research analyst they hand me a piece of paper and they say hey you know director research says hey your job is you call these 10 accounts when you know when you get an idea your job is to call these 10 accounts in this order okay so get my first idea a month later called the first account he said thank you so much great idea called the others it's went on you know four or five times every time the first guy said wow that's great that's great and like the fifth or sixth time I called him, he said, "You know, for the first time since you called me, what you came up with, yeah, I, I really disagree with you." He told me why. I told him why I thought he was wrong. He said, "Look, we can agree to disagree, but for the first time since you started calling me, I'm only going to put on half the position." I go, "Well, I don't understand. If I'm wrong, why would you put on any position?" He says, "Because you have a piece of paper in front of you with nine other names on it, and they're too stupid to know you're <laughs> you're you're wrong." And that's I go, "Wow, that's an edge. <laughs> that is that's an edge." A, So,
0: well, I think it's clear that the big boys have the edge, but, you know, to the point of the title, I guess, of today's stream and what we really want to talk about, most people are not Ken Griffin. Most of us are just average people who are trying to get by and who want exposure to markets, certainly more specifically the crypto market. We have this little run right now. We have 2023 to look forward to the Fed, as you discussed, how... And I think the answer is going to be dollar cost averaging. But how should your average person be approaching this market now? Anyone can jump in.
1: I, I think your allocation is your allocation. I mean, if you're trying to time markets, uh, you're going to lose. Uh, as Mark said, the the house is is, is stacked against you, uh, and the only people that consistently make money over time is people who who add to uh, you know risk on asset positions over time and get out of the way and and that's what our clients you know want and that's what they're doing and um i suspect uh this is a great time to be doing that obviously there's the best times to be starting and and the worst times to be starting and uh the worst time to be starting apparently was october of of last year but the best time to be starting is probably now and 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 so but you're still going to get to the same place it's all it's all a little relative right whether you start you know whether you're Investment is worth X now or Y a year ago. It doesn't really matter in 10 years. And, and, and that's the key. Uh, and nothing's changed in that regard. Uh, I'll, I'll still make my predictions, which are just as, you know, w- which are, are not, not as worthless as the Fed's predictions, but, but uh, in my opinion, uh, but I'll still make them. But that, but that won't change my, my, my investment strategy uh, and, and my overall lack of a trading strategy. And, you know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll, I'll take a small, let it ride money and let it in
0: trade. But, but,
1: but yeah, nothing's changed for me. But
0: yeah. well, What are you buying? Is it Bitcoin and ETH in this yeah. market? Or do you go further down? The, I mean, we've talked, you and I have obviously talked about this at length. I know that you like both. But is there anything yeah. else at this point that, you know, seems less risky than maybe it did before?
1: Less risky? No, I, I would say, look, the high vol stuff is going to remain high vol stuff. Uh, I, I keep about 10% in a, in a basket of, of, of alts, uh, particularly Solana and some others. And I, I'm considering rebalancing some of that, but that stuff I'll rebalance just because of the network effects and things attached to those to those alts. But the, the 60-40 allocation I have between Ethereum and Bitcoin has, isn't changing. Um, and other than the fact that, that Ethereum has gone up faster the last month or so, which is what I would have expected, um, it is what it is. That's yeah.
0: Mark, what
2: do you think? I, I, I'll chime in on a couple of things. So one, um, no one should, and, and I don't actually think anyone does, invest all at one moment, right? So you know, every year, it's like New Year's resolutions, right? All these New Year's resolutions get made. I'm going to work out. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to quit this. I'm going to do that. And it lasts, you know, less than 18 days. Because if it lasted 18 days, then it would be a habit. And you'd actually do it. But it lasts less than 18 days, then it's over. And if you do anything for 18 days, it's a habit. Um, but it, it doesn't. And and the same thing's true here. Is everybody's going to talk about, oh, what's the market going to do for the next 12 months? And what's the bond market going to do? What are interest rates going to do? And like, like Bill said, I, I have my predictions. As, as you know, if you ask me a question, I'll give you an answer. And I always tell a story about the the media consultant who, who said, okay, I'm, I'm going to train you on how to, how to be a media guy. And so he asked me a question. I started to answer what are you doing? I said, I don't know. I'm answering your questions. You never answer the question. You deflect and redirect and talk about what you want to talk about. You don't ever answer the question, but I'm You're a dutiful a politician. firstborn. I will always answer your question. And, and my wife says, right. I shouldn't give answers because people believe you if you say it forcefully and I said, what's wrong with that? I said, what if you're wrong? I'm like, I'm wrong all the time. Just changed my mind. But to Bill's point, the Fed's wrong 100% of the time, which is hard to do. Think about that. To be wrong 100% of the time, it's almost as if it's intentional. So I have to go with that. If you flip a coin, you're right 50% of the time. So you don't have to be right all the time. What you have to do is, is make more money when you're right than you lose when you're wrong. So that, that's, that's the really tricky part of investing. But ultimately, in, in digital assets, look, I had an existential mini, mini existential crisis over the holidays. This FTX thing, it's, it's big, right? I mean, it, it's it's a big, hairy fraud. I will argue it's beyond that. I believe it's an intentional attack to try to slow down the, the disruption of, of digital uh, for the incumbents. Uh, that's my argument. And so I was like, good. Five years ago, I made a choice to, to move from the nice, stable, steady, boring, you know, world of uh, traditional assets into this, you know, glorious new world of, of digital assets. And I was like, what the fuck did I do? It's like, all of a sudden, you know, we're pariahs, markets are crashing, bad guys are, you know, getting all the glory. I'm like, yeah, maybe I don't go back to you know, the, the old world and just, you know, do my, do my old stuff. And then, you know, I talked to a couple of people. I read mm-hmm. Dara Albright's essay, which if you haven't read it, read it. It's amazing uh, about decentralized future. And, and I got my, I got my mojo back and look, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, we're going to the moon tomorrow. I think that digital asset ecosystem is going to grow I think we're gonna take share. I think look, the then you fight you phase, and I've been talking about this for two years. It's real. And the incumbents don't want us to survive, but we will. Just like the incumbents didn't want the internet to survive, they didn't want the mobile net to survive, but they did. And and this this will too. So I think yeah, I think that the one thing though that's changed for me at least, is there are certain projects I actually am concerned about. Cause After an initial wave of activity, there's just not a lot of there there. And the revelation that a huge number of SAM coins were complete fabrication, pump and dump, like bad people doing bad things. That's tough because if, you know, Solana is a great example. We were early, we made a bunch of money, and I was all excited about it. It looked like it was taken off. Now the activity level's gone. <laughs> Developers are fleeing, projects are fleeing. It turns out a whole bunch of it was bullshit FTX manipulation. That bugs me. And so I've actually been a net seller of, of Solana here recently. So, which is the first time in a long time. Um, Love, you know, still love Bitcoin. I actually do. I hate to say it. I, I like Ethereum. And people, oh, you're such a shit coiner. I'm like, stop. Please stop. Um, well, I, I,
1: can I? Can I just look? I, I see. I, I agree. But anyone can create a token. A bunch yeah. of kids can fork Bitcoin and, and, and call it MIT Coin, and it could be just as worth, just as nothing, as if they had did nothing, had done nothing, produced nothing. But but if you're if you consciously take this token, SAM token, FTT, whatever you want to call it, as collateral for a loan, you're dumb. Dumb. At that point. Dumb. Okay. Right. It you're turns dumb. out that so, there, are,
3: so, there are a lot of dumb people in the world. And, you know yeah.
1: Yeah. I might say irresponsible. Okay. But, you know, there are also companies with huge balance sheets that you could take something worthless as collateral from, and you might be doing them a favor for another reason. It happens in the prime brokerage world all the time. But if, if if you don't know the financials of the company you're taking the collateral from, <laughs> that's the point of taking collateral in many cases, not all, by the way, but many, right? Then you, you have a major problem. And I have a bigger problem with that than I do with even them creating the the collateral in the first place. Yeah. The bigger issue with them creating the collateral is them front running the price via the exchange that they own, right? And so- if you want to create a stupid, worthless token uh, and and have fun experimenting? Go right ahead. But pumping it on the public via your exchange, and then dumb primes taking it as collateral—that's a much bigger concern to me uh, than most of what you know the, the public Indeed. is talking about.
3: To, to, to me, uh, you know, quite honestly. Uh, I mean, I think it was terrible what Sam does and I feel bad for people who got crushed, but I was aware that there were dishonest people. And I think that actually the biggest impact that he's having on us is that we, it sucks all the air out of the room. We spend all our time talking about something that I think is, you know, is gonna be completely inconsequential, Um, you know, in in the long run of what we're all here trying to build. And Mark, you know, wow, it's, it's weird to hear me, to hear you, me hear you talk about losing the faith because to a large degree, you know, when I hear people, oh, I lost the faith, I'm leaving. I really think that they never had it because I couldn't imagine. I mean, I saw something other than me seeing something that says, oh, this isn't a thing. I was completely wrong, you know, I, you know, or maybe vitalic rug pulling. <laughs> I don't think uh, anything's going to happen where I lose the faith. You know, well, but, but you, Sam,
2: I mean, I mean, Sam. Me, I mean, <laughs> 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 nice uh, audience Lou, <laughs> oh. Here's the thing. Um, so, you got me so totally focused clip on that. That, will, that clip's going to live. Yeah, that's clip's forever. Gonna, yeah, that was, that was forever. terrible.
1: Sorry, Lou. Um, <laughs> I actually that.
2: <laughs> <it>. Sorry, Lou. <laughs> no, here's the thing. When I said I had an existential crisis, I, I agree with you, right? That um, if, if you lose the faith, then you never had it. Um, I didn't lose it, but I, I went through a, a questioning period. Where, like you, you know, you, you've talked about the crypto light and I use that all the time mm-hmm. when I'm talking to people about, you know, when did you see the crypto light? And, you know, it goes back to when we were with Dara on stage uh, in Dallas and, and you told your story and I told my story. And it was a long and, time ago. <laughs> pardon?
3: That was a long time ago. I
2: know it was a long time ago. Um, and but my point is that there is a, a pattern of events that happened over the past Couple of years, most of it tied to FTX, and we can also tie it to Tether. And again, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But there's bad people doing bad things in the Bahamas. It's been going on for a long time, right? This goes back to savings and loan crisis, and even before then, bad people do bad things, money laundering, all kinds of bad stuff happens. The fact that the same banks, you know, Deltec and et cetera, are involved. That got me thinking. And so I went down the thinking hole of saying, to the point, Vitalik, okay, what about a Vitalik rug pull? Well, people do know that Peter Thiel, like the darling of the Republicans and and Trumpsters, is the eighth largest donor to the Democratic Party. People know that, right? They do know that Vitalik was a Thiel fellow. Right? They know that, right? They do know that there are links to intelligence in a whole bunch of projects. And, and for me, it's like, well, wait, 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 what if that apparatus that's gathering in Davos uh, is really <laughs> got it out for this, this area? And that's the existential part for me, that if this is bigger than bad person did bad thing, dumb people did dumb stuff, that happens in markets. But if, if this is a concerted effort, and I, I, I always use this, Google Satoshi Nakamoto. Just plug Satoshi Nakamoto into Google, and what do you get? You get Intelligence Central. Because Nakamoto is the surname of the people from the central part of, of Japan. And Satoshi means intelligence. That's too damn close
3: to, you know, central intelligence. So you, I'm, I'm, I'm still true. Because personally, one of the reasons I'm here, major reason I'm here, because it doesn't matter what these people at Davos do. Ultimately, if it matters what they do, then crypto isn't what I think it is. That's well, and, and, to that, and that, that's a great point, Lou, in that that for Bitcoin, I don't think it does
2: matter what they do. I really don't. I think it is fully decentralized. I think it is resilient. I think it's proven. I don't think it matters what they do. But for a whole bunch of the other swath, unfortunately,
3: I think it does. I, I agree with you. Certainly, look, at the margin, it does matter, right? Google would be a lot bigger if it were in China. Right. But Google is not in China, but it's still a friggin' big thing. And there are lots of countries, like one of the amazing things that we already see going on is all of this regulatory arbitrage, all of these smart people moving out of the United States and starting their companies. They're moving to, um, you know, uh, to Singapore, right? They're moving to Dubai. Uh, They're moving to Lisbon because they can build these companies there without this draconian government. I mean, they, they don't even, they're not even telling us what the rules are. They're saying, hey, Go do it. Don't raise your hand and ask, because if you do, the answer is no. Do what you want to do, and then we'll arrest you down the road if we want to. Uh,
0: To to your point about the existential crisis, Mark, I have experienced largely the same thing. And I think that what I came to, probably your same conclusion, is separating the asset class from the crypto industry. And I've had a major crisis about the industry. Listen, I've platformed SBF. I've had Alex Mashinsky here. I was friends with Steve Ehrlich. I lost money on Voyager. The hits keep coming. Steve Ehrlich.
3: Haven't heard that name for
0: a while. Well, yeah, me either, but he's still got a whole lot of my money. Um, (laughs) But to the point, I think that a lot of it, for me, I have to show up every single day. I have to still cheerlead it. It's embarrassment, right? And once you get past, I think the personal embarrassment of what the industry has done, how it reflects on us, who's been on the show, really brings you back to Bitcoin and self-custody and maybe Ethereum and nothing's changed. You know, and, and, and so I've had the same existential crisis, but I think I've hopefully come out the other side. And I continue to do what you guys are doing, which is just buy Bitcoin and Ethereum. But Lou, I want to ask you a question because I can make the argument right now that if we're talking about 2023 and given most people don't have access to it in both legacy markets, but and in crypto, this I would argue would be the year for seed round early venture capital. Uh,
3: look, I, I, I invest all the time. Um, I I'm never trying to time the market myself. Personally, I, I don't think I've got the ability to do that. I think few people do. I, you know, Bitcoin is by a margin, my largest holding. I buy Bitcoin every day. You swan Bitcoin. It's a great app to, 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 to do that. Uh, you know, I told you I was an equity analyst uh, for nine years and, uh stopped in, in uh, at the end of 99 I put out two price targets in 20 years one was on Facebook in 2010 the other was in 2021 January I put a 10-year price target on bitcoin of a million dollars I get there through math I could be wrong but if it, you know if I'm right I know it gets there by going up and down and you know if it gets there all that up and down to me is is just noise um, you know and I talk about edge um, you know I think for the most part I index. Uh, you know, my my money uh, across the the landscape. But for me, I think my edge is and and the main reason I'm here is because of community. I think that's the biggest difference that's going on between you know what happened before and crypto. To me, this is about for the first time in history, we have a tool set to solve for the community instead of the man in the middle. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing to happen in history. Um, and, uh, you know, I ran a company called Volk, the largest social network in history. I mean, so it's the largest in the social network before MySpace. And so I was thinking that deeply about community, yeah, 20 years ago. Um, yeah. And so to me, you know, I go around to the ecosystem summits, you know, and the highlight of my five and a half years, 24 seven crypto was ETH Denver 2020, because seeing that community and they're in the pantheon of communities and there's not going to be an ETH killer because they're not going to kill the community. That community continues to grow. So, you know, I'm a huge believer in, in ETH. Um, other extraordinary communities I've seen, CELO. Um, if you guys know, you know, uh, uh, they're really, it's about financial inclusion, making the world a better place. You know, huge fan of CELO. A huge fan of uh, Horizon Labs, if you're familiar with that. Tezos, um, you know, obviously, you know, I think community is kind of the new oil, but to the degree, you know, data is new oil. Big fan of the graph uh, and and what they're doing.
2: So Lou, how would you how would you put the um, the, the XRP army in in that spectrum?
3: You know uh, that's a great question, Mark. I have not spent any time with the XRP community. Uh, I've actually reached out. You know, I I, I did a fireside chat with Brad Garland House at Davos last year. <laughs> that was really my first substantial interaction uh, with them. You know, interestingly, coming back to Solana, I went to Breakpoint. You know, last year because oh my God, the world had never seen value creation like Solana. It was, you know, got to a hundred billion in like 15 minutes. It was crazy. And I wanted to go there and see what the community was about. And uh, it was at the peak of the mania. It was the best, you know, amazing, amazing party. Um, but uh, for me, you know, I, I, at the end, you know, the majority of people I met were there for the money. And I don't have anything against the people who are here for the money. I say, come on. But you just have to realize that the people who are here for the money are going to leave when the money leaves. And you know, eventually the pendulum's going to swing to the other side. And that's what Solana is dealing with today. You, you just, you just you
2: made a great image. Um, so at Bitcoin 2021, uh, down in Miami, uh, I went to the... Uh, Winklevoss twins party uh, at Post Malone's um, uh, manager's house, which is pretty nice. And I was there. there. Yeah, that's right. Billy, you were there. And, and it was funny in that (laughs) I, I was trying to make it to when Diplo came, but I, I'm old. So I, I was leaving. So 1145. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to wait till 2 AM for this guy to go on. So I'm, I'm leaving. But as I was leaving, boatloads of glamour people were coming in. I mean, like the most beautiful guys and gals you've ever seen coming in at midnight. And to, the, to lose point, those people, as soon as the booze run out, they're gone. They're gone.
0: Yeah. Oh, that, my 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 uh, top-of-the-market story also involves Diplo, unfortunately. It was uh, a yeah. very similar situation uh, at Art Basel last year, which was December 4th, which is when Bitcoin finally broke below 52. It was arguably the top of the market. And I was with all the FTX guys, all the Coinbase guys at a party where nobody had phone access. And Diplo was DJing and everybody was screaming that Bitcoin was crashing and nobody could uh, access their phone to see the price. Yeah. I remember that uh, December
1: 7th, I think it was. Whatever it was, it was Friday, somewhere between was 4th and 7th. It and went from like 52 to 42.
0: Yeah. Remember, that? I remember Yeah. yeah. I, remember David I David. mean, it, you know, and it's a, it really is a perfect analogy. But Lou, yeah. back to just really quickly and Mark, all of you guys, this applies, but valuations on everything are so far down. And if we believe that, the future is being built. No, no. In no, no. This prices tech.
2: are down, Scott. Prices are down. Valuations may or may not be down, but prices
0: are down. I thought I thought VC valuations were dropping. Oh, oh, are oh, 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 BC, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I said about yeah, do like down rounds, rounds and seed rounds are C rounds are a fraction yeah. of what they were a year ago yeah. this time, as far as like the valuation of new companies. So is this a good time? I mean, if, if this really is towards the bottom, I mean there's a lot of dry powder on the sideline, but is this a good time for people to invest in early stage or is it just too scary
3: I, I think it's always a great time can you time the market no look you know Facebook I bought it in Facebook originally at $6 uh, a share and then it went to at IPO and I forget $40 a share and then it crashed to $15 a share and eventually got to 365 so I mean if you try to time it you know you're going to miss that huge you know people would tell me why didn't you sell it at 40 I said because I think it's worth a lot more than that Yeah. I mean, this is the golden
2: age of of venture capital for our space. Uh, And I'm stealing that from, from from Andreessen. And and look, he's right in that early stage venture to lose point is evergreen. The one thing you can count on good markets, bad markets is human ingenuity and innovation as an asset class. That's when my pin tweet is my pin tweet. It is the one thing you can count on. And in good periods and bad periods, there will be innovation, disruption, new business formation. So true early stage investing, not the late stage bullshit, but the true (laughs) early stage seed stage investing is evergreen. However, even within that beautiful, incredible wealth creation machine, there's cyclicality. And the very best time, is at the troughs at the economic and sentiment troughs when people are getting laid off and people and companies are getting busted up and valuations are crashing and people are scared and no one wants to invest. What happens is money flees. So you can't raise money. I'm trying to raise my fourth fund. It is freaking impossible. I mean, impossible. And that's the best time to invest. And, And I'll give you one quick story. So in, in the 93 recession, bad, right? Real estate collapse, really bad. There's this little comp- the, a guy, no, single guy that worked for Bell Labs. And he's like, hey, you're laying me off. I'm losing my job. But can I take my project with me? And they're like, yeah, whatever. Dense wave multiplexing. Don't even mm-hmm. know what that is. Fine, be gone. So he left and he marched up and down Silicon Valley saying, hey, don't you want to back my dense wave multiplexing company?" And all the VCs said, go away. No. He got his retired third grade teacher in Philadelphia to give him 300K. And he started a company called Sienna. And his stupid (laughs) idea was you take white light that goes through fiber optic cables. It carries X data. You shine it through a prism. You divide it into colors. Each color takes the same amount of data. People are like, that can't work. It does work and that company went up to gazillions. And that woman, I love this part of the story, turned that 300K into $300 million. That's the way capitalism works. And that's because he had an idea, no one wanted to back him, and yet he persisted. He was resilient. And and that's what's happening right now. All those people that just got laid off at Coinbase, some of them are gonna be incredible founders. All those people are getting laid off at Google, are going to reemerge. Not all of them. People are laid off at Twitter. And this is the time. There's two sides to the table, right? There's, there's there's the entrepreneur side
1: and then there's the early stage investor side. On the early stage investor side, and it's both the perfect time for both, in my opinion. On the early stage investor side, the, thing that, the only thing that matters is, do I have access to capital to invest? And what is the absolute return on dollars invested? Which is obviously going to be relative not only to the valuation that I paid, right? But the valuation I exit at. So you want to optimize for both. Well, historically, you've now optimized for the valuation you're investing at. If you're a seed early stage, hundred percent. Okay, and, and unless this time is different, I don't think it is. Okay, and and so the question is, do they have access to capital? And if you if you've ridden other troughs and highs, you have access to capital as a seed investor. Okay, and on the other side of the table, it's exactly what Mark said. I mean, if you have all these talented people who are leaving, leaving jobs, who, who maybe in the back of their mind have wanted to be an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. uh, but didn't have the impetus. Well, the best impetus is, hey, I have no choice. <laughs> I, I've been, maybe not no choice, but I've been pushed and backed into this. And now is the best time. My incentive is there. I'm passionate about what I'm doing. And I have the grit. I've learned what grit is. I've, and I've probably learned a little bit about cash flow. <laughs> right. Which, uh, you know, if you're starting a company when the money is sprinkling down like mana from heaven, you don't really learn a lot about cash flow. Right. You, you, you think money is free and, and you should get yours. And, and that's not reality. Right. And so you actually have this kind of really, I think, compelling equilibrium on both sides of the table right now, which makes it super compelling to be starting companies. And, uh, you know, we have an, an angel fund focused on crypto at, at Abra. Um, mostly because it adds value to what we're doing, and some of our LPs in the fund have asked us to do it. Um, but you know, we're seeing a lot of interesting stuff right now, and I suspect that's going to accelerate.
2: Yeah, I met with a I met with an entrepreneur yesterday. I mean, unbelievable. Not not pure crypto, um, but but you know, related to digital assets and gaming. And these guys have a tech that, to me, is the equivalent of that Sienna story. They have an ability to increase the, the throughput of engines by a hundred X. And that's going to be a valuable asset. So it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and you guys are, you know, they were kind of put out of work because of a bunch of different reasons and, and they're okay. You know, they're not, they're not worrying how to make their mortgage, but, they're hungry to start this idea on something that they've built. And again, I'm not really a tech person, so I, I can't evaluate whether they can do what they say they can do, but I'm going to have some people look at it. They can. And if, if they can actually do what they say they're going to do, it's going to revolutionize gaming. It's going to revolutionize the, the transition. It's going to accelerate, not revolution. it's going to accelerate the transition into blockchain gaming. I mean, Really cool stuff.
3: Yeah,
0: Lou, is 2023 gonna finally be the year for blockchain gaming? I know you look deeply at this and obviously study the community and we have these cycles, DeFi summer and NFT summer and metaverse fall and they <laughs> seem to fall flat. So we're gonna have some sort of narrative. We will have these little bubbles in 2023, but can gaming actually break through this year since Mark mentioned it?
3: You know, I, th- I think i might about told you the, the, the story of when I was uh, running Bolt with we largest, we had more than 20 million kids looked at buying three of the largest uh, tiny little videos time for streaming was the pipes were finally now. YouTube. Up. Yeah, and, we, and we, had, we bought the largest one and talked to the second largest one about buying them. And about a month later, um, somebody uploaded a video called Lazy Sunday. It was uh, an Andy Samberg Saturday Night Live video onto the second biggest site, YouTube. And that day they became the fastest growing website in the world and you know, six months later, Google bought them for a billion and a half. And, you know, but to me, like, I just feel like, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, why are we, why is the price where it's at? Obviously, Sam didn't help, but, you know, the price is where it's at because we haven't had our lazy Sunday moment yet. You know, we, we haven't built something that people, you know, other than Bitcoin, you know, Ethereum's awesome, but that the broad public market actually can use and wants to use. And I don't know whether that's going to happen, you know, next week, next month, next year, you know, or, you know, potentially never hard to. March imagine 15th, numbers. March 15th. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. Um, and why do
2: I pick that day? Um, the announcement was made December. essentially interesting. I think it was December 7th um, this year, this past year um, by ledger. Uh, again, we're, we're owners yeah. and, um, you know, the announcement of the stacks is the iPhone moment, right? The iPhone was released 16 years ago Monday. Uh, I know that because it's my wife's birthday. Um, and it was released on, on January 9th. And that day, Apple stock fell 40% because actually not that day. It took two weeks. But over the next two weeks, it stock fell 40% because people said no one will ever pay $500 for a phone. <laughs> You're right. You won't. You'll pay 1500 $1,500. Because it's not a phone, right? It's a supercomputer. And the same thing happened when Marc Andreessen introduced the browser for the internet is is you need a gateway. You need that thing that that makes everybody want to have this. And I believe the Stacks is that. It's the, you know, they hired the guy who built the iPod, literally the guy who built the iPod, which revolutionized, right? Walking around with a device. And I think that device... An HSM with functionality. Because you think about your phone. How many, I have what, 200 apps on this? How many do I use every day? Three, four, okay? I don't need much functionality. I need a camera, I need, you know, be able to see and my email, but I want my wallet. But Apple, Samsung, they haven't figured it out and they're not gonna. So someone else is gonna have this aha moment. And when everyone has crypto in their hand 24 seven, the world changes.
0: So the revolution is self-custody. I like that vision (laughs) after last year. (laughs) I mean, Bill, I want to ask you before I know we got to go in a couple minutes. Well, A, do you agree that, you know, as obviously you own a company where people custody their assets, so do you agree that self-custody is sort of the future there? And I know you believe in self-custody. And also we talked about the party and people leaving anecdotally, but you probably actually have the data on what, is happening there with new signups and customers leaving. So I just want to get some context before we go.
1: Yeah. So a few things. I mean, we've always said that one of the core tenants of a trusted third party should be, uh, it, look, if, if, if you're in a, in a custody trading account, you should have 24 seven access to your funds. Um, and you should be able to process withdrawals 24 seven deposits 24-7. If you're in a nine-month CD-like term product for earning interest on stable coins, that's different. You got to wait nine months. Okay, That's not what I'm talking about. Um, do I think that the majority of the public is in a position to self-custody? No, I don't. And I don't think that's going to change ever. I think it's going to be relative to motivation. Um, and the motivation spectrum is going to include computer scientists who want to do it because they think it's interesting and they, they've they read that that's what you're supposed to do and they understand it. And then there's people in Argentina and, and Afghanistan and El Salvador and um, Turkey and, and, and places where either the money's gone to shit, the banking system's gone to shit or both, or they're in a war zone like in Ukraine and they're highly incentivized to self-custody. They'll go through the pain of learning how to do it because they need to do it. My mother doesn't need to do it, even if she believes that, when I tell her that this is the future of banking, um, she's not incentivized, right, to take any device, elegant, beautiful, hard to use or not. It doesn't matter. She's not incentivized to do that. She's incentivized now at 80 to use an Android phone or iPhone because that's what her grandkids are using and she wants to communicate with them. So she'll go through that effort because there's a very strong incentive there. and And so, you know. I look at this 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 kind of you know self-custody versus trusted third party as a spectrum. And that's why it's so important to me that when we have trusted third parties that act as the gateways here, uh, that we have the rules in place to mandate transparency, mandate oversight. But one of the core tenant is tenants is do I have access to my stuff 24/7 so that I can have personal agency? Even if I have my risk concerns, that's fine. I have no, no problem with that. Do I have twenty four seven access to my stuff? And and I think that that's how this is going to play out for the next couple of years. I don't think there's a single killer app, like a, a, a Netscape moment, for crypto. I don't. I think it's there's too many moving parts. You know, the the browser was ultimately about information access. It was it was very straightforward. I mean, there was a whole bunch of things that were happening on the internet before that, from news groups to other things. And, and the browser and HTML model just simplified it for everyone. And, but and it was AOL. And, and, right. and it was one thing. <laughs> AOL definitely helped. And so, so crypto and, 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 the, and the broader banking system that we're replacing, the monetary system that Bitcoin is trying to replace, is too many moving parts to say, oh, we have one aha moment. Mm-hmm. Every person in every country and every country on the planet is different. And that's why people in Ukraine are doing things very differently than people in the US who are doing things very differently than people in Argentina.
0: We have to go unfortunately I would keep you guys forever but I want to repeat this same panel again in the future if if you guys will agree to do it I think it was yeah. absolutely incredible yeah, and I want to I want to I want to now spark the to- topic for the next one which is that the lazy sunday moment and the killer app <laughs> secretly is stable coins. Yeah. Well, I was gonna, in the dark when
1: we started, and you can see behind me; it's light out now. So, yeah, so that, that's going to be that's
0: going to be my. You have to keep me to it. That's going to be my topic because I think that awesome. you can make that argument, guys. Let's absolutely incredible. Of course, tomorrow I'll be back by myself. Well, I might actually look at some charts now that things are. And uh, I say <laughs> that that means we get a crash and it's all over and whatever. Um, and of course, we'll be reviewing all the news, guys. Everyone in the description, you can find Mark, Bill, Lou's, uh Twitter accounts. You should be following all of them, guys. Thank you so much. I know that your time is extremely valuable, and it's really an honor to have all three of you, uh legends, here on a Thursday morning. So thank all you right. once Thanks, again. Scottie. Thanks,
3: guy Everyone else, Good to see you guys. Bye-bye. Happy New we'll Year. See you tomorrow. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Okay. That's
1: dope.